Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today's Gospel picks up exactly where we left off last week. Last week, we were standing with Jesus and the apostles on that plane with hundreds of other disciples as Jesus comes down the mountain with his apostles and begins to teach the Beatitudes. Well, that continues this week. Now, this Gospel passage that we hear this Sunday is probably one of the most difficult and probably the most annoying in all of the New Testament. It's a passage about loving our neighbors. Now picture in your mind someone you don't like, someone that annoys you to no end. Well, hold that person in your mind. Now listen to what Jesus says. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now at first, This is very puzzling teaching by Jesus. I think it's important for us to first turn to the first reading in order for us to begin to understand what Jesus is teaching us in the gospel. What we have to realize is the first reading as well as the gospel are always coupled together. They typically have the same message. Well, that bodes true for this weekend. In the first reading, we have or deals with a conflict between King Saul and David. King Saul intensely is jealous of David because David is more popular than King Saul. Now, King Saul believes that because he is king of Israel, he should be the most popular person in the entire country. But he's not. David is. And that deeply grates on King Saul to the extent that he's so jealous he wants to kill David. And so Saul raises up an army of 3,000 men to go after David and pursue him and kill him. Well, now with that in mind, we can go into the first reading. The first reading, now we see what we could say a turn of tide for the benefit of David. At the beginning of the first reading, we hear that at nighttime falls and King Saul and his army, they bed down for the night. And David, he sneaks into the campment of Saul, and he sees Saul sleeping. David now is standing over Saul. Saul is defenseless. His guard is down. Now David knows with one thrust of the sword, he could kill Saul. Again, mind you, Saul has for some time trying to kill David unjustly. David didn't commit any type of crime, except the fact that he's more popular than King Saul. And Saul has pursued David because of his jealousy for him. Now, one could say David had every right to kill King Saul because he was trying to kill him. But David doesn't do that. Here is a good test of moral character. What would you do when the tide turns, when suddenly your enemy has delivered themselves into your hands? 
Now, think of that person you don't like. Picture that person. Now, that person in the past has hurt you in some way, shape, or form. They've either said or done something that have deeply hurt you. And now, as often happens in life, the tide turns. Now you are in a position to strike back. So what do you do? How do you respond? David, he rises to the occasion. David does exactly what Jesus is teaching us in the gospel. He loves his enemy. Notice what David says. Today, though the Lord delivered my enemy into my grasp, I will not harm my Lord's anointed king. See, this is exactly what Jesus is trying to teach us in the gospel. Now, I would argue there are a few reasons why we should love our enemies. The first reason is that we should love our enemies because it's the best way to test our love. Now, remember, love in sacred scripture in the Bible, it's not an emotion. It's not a term of affection. Instead, it's the act of the will. To love means to will the good of another. I'll give you an example. Say you're in the grocery store. You're waiting to check out. The person ahead of you is a complete stranger. Well, you can love that person. You can will the best for them. You come up and say to them, I will the best life for you, the best family, the best career, and I will pray for you, and I will advise you and counsel you. Well, now you just love that person. And so the ultimate test of love is to love those people that will not love us back. Often we love because we know people will love us back. We are kind to people because people have been kind to us, or we know that they will be kind to us in the future. But if we love people knowing fully well they won't love us back, if we are kind to people, knowing fully well they will not be kind to us, that's a true test of our love. As Jesus says, If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And so one reason why we have to love our enemies is because it's a great test of the quality of our love. Another reason why we should love our enemies is because those people can tell us a lot about ourselves. Those people that bother us, most of all, also reveal deep truths about us. Now, again, think of that person that bugs you the most. You don't like them. Well, how come? Well, because chances are they make it very clear that there's something that you don't like in yourself. You see in them something of yourself, some aspects of your own personality. In that sense, you could consider them a gift from God. As Jesus acknowledges this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, he says, Why do you notice a speck in your brother's eye when you have a wooden beam in your own eye? Instead, first remove the wooden beam in your own eye. Then you will be able to remove the speck in your brother's eye. The implication here, that quality that bugs us the most about those people Chances are we have that same quality too, and we don't want to admit it or see it. Another reason why we should love our enemies is perhaps our enemy shows us how inadequate our life is. That maybe it's hard for us to admit those people that bug us the most, they may be right, they may be good, 
and it tells us how off-centered we are. Now, we say to ourselves, you know, I just cannot stand that person. Well, maybe it's because that person is good in relationship to us, and that bothers us. Give you a great example. Think about how the people saw Jesus. They saw him as an enemy. Jesus, at the end of the day, was seen and looked upon as an enemy by all. The Romans, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the scribes, they all saw Jesus as an enemy. But when you think about it, Jesus was the perfection of good. He was the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Son of God. However, his enemies saw themselves as off-kilter in relationship to him. And so, a question we have to ask ourselves is, that person that bothers us the most, is it possible that they are good and maybe we are not so good? Is it possible that they are doing the will of God and we are not doing the will of God? Therefore, that person bothers us? Well, they can be a source of great clarification in our own life. Another reason why we must love our enemies is because we might win them back. One of the purposes of our faith is to draw people to God. Well, when we are attacked, the fundamental desire is to fight back, an eye for an eye. The problem is, when we do this, we justify to that other person their dislike to us. More to it, we enter into a terrible cycle of acrimony and bitterness. If you're cruel to me, then I'll be even more cruel to you. And in turn, it awakens more cruelty in that other person. And it goes on and on between the two people, and it escalates. And so how do we stop that cycle of bitterness? By following Jesus' teaching. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. A good analogy would be the martial art of Aikido. Aikido is a martial art that engages the enemy, but in a unique way, a non-violent way. The purpose is to use the aggression of the enemy against him, not to fight, but instead to get out of the way, to make them off balance. And in doing so, you use the aggressor's energy against them. I'll give you a good example of this. A person is about to attack you. They start running towards you to attack you. While practicing Aikido, as soon as they get close to you, you'd grab them and then immediately pivot and get out of the way. And you'd use your aggressor's momentum to throw them to the ground or throw them off balance. The purpose is not to maim or hurt them, but instead to frustrate them and convince them to suddenly stop attacking. And it serves no purpose because they keep getting thrown to the ground. And see, when that happens, then you have won them over. And so what have you done? You've engaged evil, not with violence, but you use the energy of that aggressor to throw them off balance. And you frustrated them to the extent they, they quit attacking you. Now you've won them over. A great example of this is Gandhi. Violence was leveled against him, but he used that against his aggressors to throw them off balance and change an aggressive society to a peaceful society in which the people chose peace over aggression. In doing so, Gandhi won the people over. In the Gospel for this weekend, Jesus gives us 
probably some of the hardest teachings for us to follow as Christians, to love our enemies, but not impossible. If we ever feel frustrated by this teaching, feel that we cannot abide by it, my suggestion, go to your church and gaze upon the crucifix. You see Jesus hanging from the cross. That is the greatest example of loving our enemies. Here, Jesus is hanging from the cross. Everyone except the apostles and a few of his followers hate him with a great passion. Jesus, his last few words on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That is loving our neighbors, and that should inspire us to continue to embody that teaching now and forever in our lives. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.